Hello, my dear friends, and welcome back to the third and last episode of this little series I've been doing called 13 Truths About Life. I hope you have found some new ideas. If you just jump into this episode and you're maybe new to the podcast, I encourage you to go back and start with the episode uh, let's see, two episodes ago. So this has been a three-part series and I'm sort of explaining where these truths come from. So if you are new, please hop back and join us from the beginning. I'm going to dive straight in. So I'm going to hop into truth number seven. Don't think you know yourself. You are an ever-evolving, incredibly vast thing. You are not static. Wake up every day excited to discover new sides of yourself, new passions, new hobbies, new talents. Be your own biggest change supporter. I love that last line. Be your own biggest change supporter. Sometimes, you know, the people closest to us can be very resistant to change, especially us changing or anything around them changing because it makes them feel stressed. Suddenly, things are unfamiliar and human beings love staying familiar. <laughs> they love feeling like they know everything that's happening around them. They resist change and you are one constant around some people and they do not want you to change. But it is important to remember that ultimately the only person who truly knows who you might have grown into now or am growing into is you. Nobody else knows what's going on inside of you. Even if you try to, you know, you vent and you open up and you share what you're feeling or going through, nobody knows the feelings that you have growing slowly inside of you. So by being your own biggest supporter, biggest change supporter, you empower yourself to take risks and actually pursue your passions, even when others may not understand it. You know, it's not your responsibility to live up to other people's expectations of you. I'm going to go ahead and repeat that because it's so important. It's not your responsibility to live up to other people's expectations of you. You set your own expectations for yourself and your life. That's your job, nobody else's. The last chapter of my book, Everything Changed When I Forgave Myself, is about reintroducing yourself. Give yourself a new beginning, a second chance. If you would introduce yourself to the people who have known you your entire life, how would you want to introduce yourself now? You know, don't keep repeating who you used to be. Introduce yourself with who you are now, or even better, who you want to become in a year from now. Support yourself when it comes to growth and change. Okay. Truth number eight. Have less, do more. Simplicity is the key to everlasting peace. 
learn to live on as little as possible. If this is not my trademark in life, I don't know what it is. <laughs> learn to live on as little as possible has been my tagline since I was very little. You know, the thing is, we truly do not need a lot of material possessions to be happy. And I'm talking about being a, what I consider a very privileged, normal person in the world. As long as you can cover your needs. You have a roof over your head, you have enough, enough food to not be hungry, you have clothes on your body, you can buy whatever you need to feel enjoyment and pursue your passions. The rest is excess. I truly believe that the key to lasting peace lies in simplicity. Now, you guys know I am a sucker for philosophy and old literature. You know, this philosophy of simplicity, I know it's like a modern thing with minimalism and what do they call it, tiny houses and all of that. But the philosophy of simplicity is found in almost every piece of classic literature out there, even though it's not the main theme. You know, a lot of the, the classic stories or philosophy books, at the end of the day, they're about how happiness will not be found in riches or building empires or proving people wrong. Happiness is always found right in the moment. You know, when you catch yourself realizing that, oh, this is happiness, and the material stuff you have around you have nothing to do with it. It's about the people, your inner peace, and where you're standing. I especially want to talk about Henry David Thoreau. He is a, a transcendentalist philosopher, one of the first philosophical writers that I, I, I think that I truly understood. His writing is just very beautiful. You don't have to be philosophical or know anything about what he's actually talking about in order to enjoy his writings. He wrote his books like stories. One of his most famous books or novels is called The Walden Pond. It's, um, if you haven't read it, oh, just go pick it up. It's short, it's lovely, it leaves you feeling so peaceful. I have reread it several times since I found it when I was younger. It's about when he lived in a small cabin in the woods for two years, two months and two days. <laughs> During this time, he learned to live on very little and found that he was able to live a more meaningful life by simplifying his existence. There's this beautiful quote that I was very close to tattooing on my body, but I didn't. But I might one day. The quote goes, simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. I say, let your affairs be as two or three and not a hundred or a thousand. Honestly, the whole book is full of just wisdom quotes. And the, the main theme is that if you live a simple life, you're going to have more energy and time to notice the beautiful small things around you. Another writer that I have studied a lot is Ralph Waldo Emerson. Emerson wrote a lot about how we should not be distracted by material possessions or social status, but rather focus on our inner selves. 
he called it self-reliance, this idea that you should be able to care for yourself and take care of yourself and not be so dependent on what other people think, what other people want of you. And ultimately, this fake need for material possessions and social rank comes from what we think society wants from us. So anyway, I encourage you to pick up books by uh, Emerson and Henry David Thoreau. They are beautiful writers. But let's go back to what does it mean to live a simple life? Obviously, it means whatever it means to you. But for me, it means being mindful of the things we bring into our lives and recognizing what truly brings us peace. And to me, having inner peace is the beginning of happiness. The opposite of that is feeling worried, nervous, stressed, overwhelmed, anxious, sad. And so for me, happiness starts with feeling peaceful and calm. Living a simple life means being content with less and finding joy in the simple pleasures of life. I think it also can mean being mindful of the impact that our actions have on the world around us, the impact of our words towards others, and learning to live mm, in harmony with nature, with people, with the pace of things, with the weather. That's simplicity to me. I think the last part of this, learn to live on as little as possible. To me, that means if you don't have such a large overhead, if you don't need to buy the most expensive car or have subscriptions to every channel in the world, and if you don't need to buy these expensive designer stuff or I don't know, whatever you, you, you spend big bucks on that you actually don't need, you're gonna find that if you don't need that money, you probably don't need to work as much or maybe work with a job you don't truly love. So for example, I know when I was younger and started my little journey on the road, I made zero, zero bucks. <laughs> I, was, I was dead broke and I was so happy, you guys, because my only goal was to earn enough so that I could keep doing what I love doing. I wanted to be able to cover food and cover the bus ticket to the new city and cover whatever I needed to, to pay in order to stay alive, you know. But I did not need any money on the bank because I, I loved what I was doing every day and I just wanted to be able to keep doing it. I'm not saying that that is the goal of life. I'm just saying the idea of that, if you know that you can survive without any luxurious stuff every month or every week, you can truly go back to asking yourself, if money was not a problem, what would I do today? What do I truly enjoy doing? What do I feel like my life should be about if, if money is not around? 
Like if you don't need to chase money, if you don't need to chase a social rank or a promotion, what would you do? Well, to me, back then I said, I want to go to a new city every day and, and share my songs. Today, I would say I want to write new songs or new books or new writings or read books or have incredible conversations with smart people, intelligent people. I want to help people. I want to experience more things. I want to explore the world and the land and the forests and the oceans. I want to do all of these things. And yeah, you need some money to do that. But do I need a designer bag? No, <laughs> I don't need that. So it's not about being broke. It's about being conscious of, do I need the things that I think I need? Or can I do with less so I can do more? Have less, do more. That's what this truth is about. All right, I'm going to move on. This one is a short one. I have no long explanation because I just want you to take it as it is. Truth number nine. Embrace unexpected opportunities. My most impactful moments in life happened when I was busy making other plans, going somewhere else. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> okay, truth number 10. This is, this is a good one, you guys. Pay attention. You can never save people, but you can inspire them to believe they can save themselves. Let me repeat that. You can never save people, but you can inspire them to believe that they can save themselves. See, the thing is, we cannot force people to change and we cannot fix their problems for them. Ultimately, it's always up to them to take action and make changes in their own lives. All we can do is inspire them to take action by showing them what's possible. I have so many people around me and I have been one of them and I'm sure you guys are the same or have had the same experiences. You meet a person, whether it's a romantic situation or a friend or a parent or a brother or sister, and they come to you and you are a person who want to save people. You want to help them. You want to you wanna take them into your life and into your arms and, and fix it up for them. It's like a hero syndrome. I have had it. I've tried to, to fix people. I have spent endless days and nights listening to somebody's problems and come up with solutions and try to say let's do this let's have a plan listen you can never do that you can never save someone you can never make someone take action you can only be there you can love them and you can you can believe in them you can make them feel that you believe that they can truly fix the situation you can make them feel like you believe that they have the power and strength to not just change their situation, but to bloom and be incredible and have an incredible life. And you can show by example what's possible by being sure 
and kind and soft, but also strong and inspired and inspiring and motivated and motivating and just be that kind of role model that you want to see in your life. You can be that for your friend and show them that, look, this is what you can do with your life or this is how you can move forward tomorrow. And by seeing you, they hopefully will see that it's possible to make a change. Think about someone in your life who has inspired you to make positive changes. Maybe it was a teacher, a friend, or even a stranger. I'm pretty sure that they didn't necessarily save you from your problems, but they showed you a different way of looking at things and gave you the courage to take action yourself. They cannot take action for you, but they inspired you to take action. Now, also, it's important to remember that everyone's on their own journey and what works for one person may not work for another. However, by being transparent about our own experiences, failures and successes, we can inspire others to believe in themselves and place their own narrative on our success or failures. That's why I think it's so beautiful to be completely open about when things are not going well in life, when things are going well in life, maybe most of all, when things did not turn out the way you thought they would, but you refused to give up and you kept going anyway. Like, is there anything more inspiring than hearing these stories? I don't think so. Because I can place my own narrative on that story and, and go to sleep at night thinking, I can do it like that. Like, that is a possible way of going through life. And if they did it, I can do it too. I've read a couple of books on, on sports psychology, like how famous coaches um, think about leading their um, athletes or teams or whatever. And one recurring thing that comes up time and time again is that you can never tell someone you should go do this so you can become the best. The way to make somebody work harder than everyone else is by not telling them what to do, but making them want to do it. So if I was a sports coach, let's say, I mean, this is this is this also applies to like business settings, I think, or anything in life, honestly, parenting probably, but I wouldn't know anything about that. Anyway, um, if I want Johan <laughs> to go pick up that trash. I can either tell him, Johan, go pick up the trash. If you don't do it, uh, you will have to sleep on the street. But I can also say, hey, Johan, wouldn't it be incredible to live in a very clean house or apartment or bedroom? And he's like, yeah, it really would be. Maybe I should go pick up the trash. And I would be like, oh, that's such a great idea. Love that idea. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do it now. You see, you can motivate someone to take action by inspiring them with their ideal situation. That's 
like the the golden nugget when it comes to leadership, to motivation. And you can use that to motivate your friends to get out of a toxic situation as well. So in conclusion, we cannot save people, but we can inspire them to save themselves. By showing others what's possible, sharing our experiences and leading by example, we can empower others to take control of their own lives and create positive change. Okay, truth number 11. Build a connection with the natural world. Greet Father Sky, thank Mother Earth, meditate, walk barefoot, eat foods from the ground. We are all under the same sky. You know, some of the most ancient spiritual practices are about reconnecting with the natural world. See, it's not about connecting with nature. It's about reconnecting. They are clearly stating we started as natural, pure beings, then got lost in the mess of this industrial world. And now you must reconnect with the ground, with the elements. We have simple things like eating plant-based, meditating, yoga, also shamanic wisdom, Toltec teachings. I mean, I think, without knowing every culture in the world, I think there is some sort of branch in each culture, in each country, that is an old tradition of, in some way or form, honoring nature, honoring the ground or the weather or the natural world. It's like the oldest traditions we have have always known that the natural world is a source of guidance and healing. But we, <laughs> today, are too busy to keep it up. We, we just get lost in all of this, sorry for my language, bullshit going on in the world. And we constantly need to remind ourselves to reconnect with our grandfathers and grandmothers. So what does it mean to build a connection with the natural world? Well, to me, it means taking time to observe and appreciate the beauty and wonder of nature, of the planet. It means developing a reverence for the elements and forces that sustain life on earth, the sky, the ground, the ocean, the forest, open landscapes, desert, the jungle. This is the earth. And we get to live here for a short, short while. Tomorrow, we could be gone. If we can grow a more loving, respectful gratitude for this earth, I believe we would automatically start appreciating the simple beauty of the sunset, the sunrise, weather, storms. And through that, we would find a distance to the, the tech craze, the money greed that is always screaming for your attention through apps on a device. Building a connection with the natural world 
again means whatever it means to you. But I found it through building my own little rituals and ceremonies that honor the natural world, such as greeting Father Sky, looking at the moon and saying goodnight, thanking Mother Earth, touching the grass, touching the ground, meditation, meditating outside, focusing on my breath. You know, in the yogic, um, the yogic philosophy, they called air prana, life force. If you spend three minutes a day focusing on how air swirls into your nostrils and spreads throughout your body, and this life force is filling you, every fiber of your being, and then it goes out again, spend three minutes just observing that process. It's beautiful. Learn to become more aware of the present moment and walking barefoot. There's nothing better for me. <laughs> I go back home to Sweden. Um, not very often, but I try to do it as much as I can in the summer because I don't know if it's like a nostalgic memory of my childhood that, that happens, but... Walking on Swedish green, healthy grass, <laughs> I don't know, for me, I, I just feel so connected to everything and so peaceful, like this uh, anxiety for career and money and followers and plays and book sales and all that shit, it just goes away when I'm walking barefoot on Swedish grass in the summer. It, it's, it's, a, it's a spiritual moment. That's what it's like for me. You find your own little moments. What, what makes you feel like that? What else? Eating foods from the ground is yet another way to build a connection with the natural world. You guys just stop eating foods that come ready sliced in plastic containers or cans. I'm so sick of this. Just eat food like it like it grows. You know, go to the source. Eat the real plant, the real food growing in nature. And whether you're eating meat or not, I do not care. If you're eating meat, stop buying that processed plastic meat you find in large grocery chains. You realize they buy meat transported for days. And the meat you're putting in your body is full of adrenaline and antibiotics. That's not real. That's not real food. Go to the source. Eat the real foods. One of the, the biggest... Um, no, I'm not going to say it's the biggest sadness. <laughs> but one of the things I hate about living in... Uh, countries where we don't have a lot of sun is that vegetables and fruit tastes like plastic nine months out of the year, you know? And then I go to Spain or Italy or Portugal and the tomatoes are just like, oh my God, they have so much flavor because they are real. They grew from the ground. They were fed by the real sun they didn't they weren't planted in a fake house and used fake 
lights on, lamps to grow. Like it's it's grown in nature and you feel it when you eat it. And I always feel like it's giving me more nourishing, both when it comes to just pure vitamins and stuff, but like, I don't know, I can feel the sun. <laughs> like, I, it feels like I'm eating real earth energy. It, it's, uh, again, to me, that's a spiritual practice. I feel more connected to earth when I eat real food. Try it if you haven't. Anyway, in conclusion, building a connection with the natural world is a very powerful way to cultivate a spiritual practice and deepen our sense of connection to the world around us. Whether you are greeting Father Sky or thanking Mother Earth, meditating, walking barefoot or eating food from the ground or any other way that makes you feel connected, I believe if we learned, all of us, to feel more grateful of the the earth we're inhabiting, we would just act differently and feel differently, behave differently. The pace would be different. Try it. I strongly recommend it. Okay. Truth number 12. It's okay to spend a year on your own if that's what you need right now. It's okay to go quiet. It's okay to pause that dream, pause that project, cancel the contract and just sit and watch the waves come and go in some lonesome town in Portugal. It's all okay. Trust your story. Be where you are and don't be sorry. As you can imagine, I wrote that one for myself. But I think this is something that I want to encourage all of you to do. Do what you need to do. We live in a world where we are brainwashed to believe that we constantly need to be achieving something. Constantly need to be productive. Not just be productive, but become more productive, optimized, life hack. We need to constantly be moving forward. I never hear anybody saying, it's totally okay to take a step back. Like you can take a step back and just be without feeling guilty or feeling like you are failing. You can spend months not being productive. It's okay to stop hustling. You don't need to chase that promotion. You don't need to chase money or investments or a relationship or a marriage or children. You can just do you. It's totally fine to take a break. It's okay to slow down, take some time for yourself and just Do what you need to do to enjoy this life you have on the planet. It's also okay to go quiet. We live in a world, again, where we are constantly bombarded with information and we are connected with people 24-7. I don't know anybody who doesn't live with their phones by their sides. You are always reachable. I don't know about you, but that 
has always been giving me anxiety. So I'm here to tell you, it's okay to turn off your phone. Totally fine. Write them a letter. Tell them to call you if there is anything. Delete the apps. Delete the internet. Here's the truth, and I'm going to tell it like it is. I did not get a smartphone, I think it was five years ago. I was years behind with getting a smartphone. I lived with a, an Ericsson phone. Not because my name is Ericsson, but because it was a, this stone that I was carrying around. And all I could do with that phone was call people or send an SMS and the characters were limited, which was perfect. I couldn't write too much. It was a short yes, no, see you there. Loved that. I miss it. Then I got a smartphone and now I'm just like everybody else and I hate it. Sometimes I just want to go back to carrying my little phone stone that weighs so much, but all I can do is call and send an SMS, not even an MMS, which is a multimedia message for those of you who don't know. You could only send a text message. Love that. Anyway, it's okay to delete the apps for a while. Do it for a weekend, for a week, for a month, for a year. You don't have to be connected. You don't have to answer. I just, I encourage you to test it. Maybe it's going to make you feel happier. And do you know what? Maybe it's going to make you realize that the people who still reach you by calling you or knocking on your door or writing you a letter, they are the real friends in your life. It's also okay to pause that dream project, that mission you're on. You can, you can hit pause. Life is a journey and sometimes we need to take detours along the way. Maybe you thought you knew exactly what you wanted, but now you are realizing that your priorities have changed and shifted because you have grown. Or maybe you just need to take a step back and reevaluate your goals before moving forward. That's smart. That is not being passive or missing out or moving too slow. That's being smart. So whatever the reason is, it's okay to hit pause for however long you need to do it. It's okay to cancel contracts, quit a job, move to a new place, whatever you need. So don't be sorry for where you are in life. We all have our own journey to walk and there is no right or wrong way to live a life. So what I did two years ago was I hit pause. I went to Portugal. I watched the waves come and go in a lonesome little town. I didn't do anything. I didn't write. I didn't try to produce an album. I didn't move forward with my career. I hit pause. It was the best thing I could have done because it made me reevaluate everything. And what's the purpose of pushing something forward when it might not be the thing you want to do with your life? We're we're all gonna die. Don't waste years doing something that no longer serves you. You know? Reevaluate. Reintroduce yourselves. Be your biggest change supporter. It's all connected. Okay, friends, we have reached the last truth. Truth number 13. And this truth is one short sentence 
six small words. And I'm just going to leave you with them. And then I'm going to say goodbye and thank you for listening and welcome back in one or two weeks again. But the last truth, truth number 13 is... You ready? Your only task is to live. That's it. That's your only job. Your only task is to live. Thank you for listening. I love you. Bye.